Awesome. Amen, amen, and amen. I like that three times. Amen, amen, and amen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am always excited to be here, uh, to be before you guys. I don't always jump like Pastor does, but I'm excited nonetheless. Trust me, I am excited nonetheless, you know, because uh, again, without you being here, I would be teaching to myself, and um, that's good sometimes too, but it's good to have an audience, and it's good to have an engaged audience. I love you guys because you're very engaging and very attentive. Thank you. <laughs> I thought she was saying, fix your mic. I'm like, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm good. So uh, yes, it is the night before Thanksgiving, and we are here to get fed spiritually before we go and feed our faces, although I think Pastor has snuck a little bit of whatever has been brought tonight already. So sorry, man, I had to put you out there. <laughs> uh, but hopefully you guys will enjoy tonight all around, and um, it is a blessing. So we're going to get right into tonight's teaching and message. I always do just a brief little review for those of you who may not have been here or were here. And when I go back, I always remember something. Oh, I should have said that, or I wanted to say this, you know. And we've been on this journey, this series, about the lessons that we learn in the wilderness. Right, And it's funny because as I'm doing the lessons and the PowerPoint and everything together, and I'm thinking, you know, the wilderness is not something we always like to talk about, you know, and we've been going through some information and some training that has kind of hit home a little bit too close to home sometimes, you know, and it can be a little uncomfortable, but I promise you, there is always the light at the end of the tunnel, and this is going to end on a high note. It may not seem like we're starting on a high note, talking about some kind of rough issues to have to, you know, uh, accept, and it's conviction, but conviction is good. It helps us grow, right? So um, definitely know that all of this is leading to uh, a grand finale, if you will, when you come back next week for our closer. But uh, last week, we were talking about the lesson we learned in the wilderness about covenant relationships, right? And not just covenant relationships, but the power of covenant relationships. And I kind of started that lesson out with a little uh, breakdown, right, of what covenant means and how it got started. And, you know, um, it might have gotten a little confusing because of the fact that, you know, covenant, the way it was originally intended was characteristics of those things we talked about with it being unending, unconditional, right? Um, and uh, those were the things that got initially intended for that relationship to be like. Unfortunately, like with everything else with God's promises, when sin entered the world, there was a, bre a breach, if you will, in that. But I don't believe that uh, what we were talking about uh, the covenant relationships and God's intention and, you know, being in covenant relationship, that means, you know, we get to spend eternity with God, right? Our salvation is signed, sealed, and delivered, if you will. But remember, we also talked about covenant relationships coming with certain benefits, right? And those benefits, as good as they are, those are the things that have the conditions on them, okay? Not necessarily the salvation. So, what we're going to tie in tonight is, you know, how those benefits are affected. So here's the drill. You know, God's promises in the word, you know, when he spoke it, 
it was already done. It's a done deal, right? So you and I are already blessed. But there's this gap between God's promises and manifestation, right? There's this gap between what he said and us actually seeing it come to pass. And I've learned that in that gap, yes, there's his divine timing. That gap is time, right? But you know what expands that gap? What delays some of those promises from manifestation? It's what we're talking about tonight, the blessing blockers. So what we want to do is educate ourselves and be prepared so that we do not contribute to widening that gap between God's promises and manifestation in our lives. Amen? All right, so that's where we're going to start at tonight. We are going to be talking about blessing blockers, ladies and gentlemen. Now, again, this topic, you know, may seem like a negative, but we're going to extract the positive from it. So the way that we're going to do that in talking about blessing blockers is to first define it. Okay, so let's look at what we're going to look at tonight. We'll kind of skip ahead to the definition part. What is a blessing blocker? Okay, we're going to go one more. There we go. Okay, we'll stay on this one for a bit. So what is a blessing blocker? We're going to look at that. And then once we define it, we're going to find out how to identify them. And then once we identify them, we're going to talk about how to avoid them. Okay. So what is a blessing blocker? How do we identify them and how do we avoid them? So basically, and if you guys notice, I'm going to have some extra notes here that may or may not be up on the screen, but you should be able to follow because that's your your cheat sheet up there, okay? So a blessing blocker. And this is a term, I didn't make it up. I've probably heard someone else use it um, in different teaching settings and sermons or whatnot. But basically, anything that is an act of disobedience is a blessing blocker, okay? And we know that any act of disobedience is sin, okay? So if we were to just basically define, for the purposes of this class, a blessing blocker, we're talking about sin and disobedience, okay? Now, sin is basically anything that violates the word of God, okay? It's not limited to just those 10 commandments, right? Because everything in the word of God is a command. He doesn't make suggestions, let's just say that, okay? So if it's in there and he said it, it's meant to be obeyed, okay? So everything in the Bible is a command. Again, the purpose is not to condemn us but to convict us so that we can grow. God wants us to grow, okay? He wants us to be empowered by the knowledge, right? What does Hosea 4, 6 say? That my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because they reject the knowledge. Well, we are going to not only receive the knowledge, but we're going to accept it and not reject it so that we are empowered by it tonight. So again, this is why these classes are more geared towards the teaching application of God's word, because ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is dangerous. 
As far as the word of God is concerned and us being Christians, we need to know because what we don't know, the enemy tries to use against us, right? Okay, so good. We are on the same page. We are going to identify these blessing blockers and how do we identify them? That's the second point up here. How do we identify them? Well, we just said that we need the knowledge, right? Knowledge comes from God's word. So the first way you identify them is to read God's word. You got to read the word. You can't know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. Amen? Amen. So what we want to do is make sure that we are in the word, that we're committed to it, and that we seek God's word through the scripture. Okay? That's how we're going to identify them. Everything that we're going to talk about tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have been waiting for a scripture-based lesson, that one's going to be tonight, okay? Because I know there are some classes where I have them in the, you know, minority, and sometimes they're in the majority. Tonight, they're going to be in the majority because we need to know that this comes straight from God's word, okay? That's how we identify them, is through the word. Now, how do we avoid them? Because once you identify them, okay, I know this is something that could block this blessing. How do I avoid it? Because I don't want to have nothing to do with anything that's going to block my blessing from God or even separate me from his presence. Because, again, that's what sin and disobedience does, right? So how do we avoid them? Well, just like anything else that we need help with, we ask the Holy Spirit, okay? So in order to avoid these blessing blockers, you and I are going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us reduce and eventually eliminate the desire for these things, okay? Because a lot of them are, actually all of them, they're flesh-based stuff, right? And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome our flesh. So that's the first thing that's going to help us avoid them, is asking help from the Holy Spirit to reduce or eliminate the desire for these things. But then at the same time, right, if you're going to remove that desire, you have to replace it with something else. Like if you remove a negative, you have to replace it with a positive. Otherwise, you're left with a void. So at the same time, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us increase the desire to please God. Okay? This is how we are going to strategically overcome these blessing blockers. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us reduce the desire for those negative things, but increase our desire for the positive things, which is the presence of the Lord. Make sense? Okay, so um, the other thing regarding avoiding the blessing blockers that I have here is that we have to monitor the environments in which blessing blockers thrive. Again, that makes sense, right? So as we go through these um, highlights tonight, you're going to see what I mean. So uh, monitor the environments you put yourself in where blessing blockers are prevalent. Uh, that's one way you're going to help avoid the blessing blockers. Just don't be around people or places where those things thrive. And then last but not least, I have on here, again, as with everything that I teach, if you guys haven't figured this out yet, you know, don't be legalistic about this, okay? We're going to go through some things that, again, are not mentioned to condemn us, and there are things that we have all, myself included, 
have participated in or experienced, but I really feel like the character of God with his children is identifying a very separate intention of the heart as far as people who practice these things. The Bible talks about people who practice wickedness and evil and that these people will not inherit the, um, the kingdom of God, you know, and I truly believe that we as his children who are filled with the Holy Spirit have enough conviction where we are not purposely, intentionally, and willfully practicing to do these things that violate God's will for our lives, okay? Do we get caught up in them and, you know, every now and again? Yes, we do. But if you're sitting here tonight, I believe it's because you have a desire to do what is right, myself included. So that's what we're going to accomplish tonight. Amen? All right, y'all. So that's the rundown of what we're going to do. And so we're going to jump right into this. And I have windled it down (laughs) to 10, okay? This is not an exhaustive list, but these are what we're going to focus on tonight. So we're going to look at 10 blessing blockers and see what the Word has to say about them so that we can avoid them and grow in our walk with God. Amen? All right, so blessing blocker number one is listed as contaminated words or toxic words, okay? Blessing blocker number one, contaminated words. As I was going through this list, I realized, wait a minute, have I talked about this before in one of the other lessons? Am I repeating myself? And I realized when we were doing the faith series and we talked about moving mountains, a lot of these blessing blockers we identified as those mountains. So you may hear some overlap in some of the information that we're talking about tonight. But again, overlap is good because if God said it more than once, that's an indication that you might want to pay attention and listen to it because it's important. So we're going to talk about number one blessing blocker is our mouths, ladies and gentlemen. We know from scripture that primarily the number one thing that kept the children of Israel wandering through their wilderness for 40 years was their mouths, their murmuring, and their complaining, right? Oh my goodness, they were in bondage in Egypt, and God said, I'm going to bring you out into the promised land, but before you get to the promised land, there's this gap. Remember, we talked about the gap, right? Well, the gap is that wilderness for this particular uh, Example, and remember how we said there are things that we can do to extend or delay, right? That manifestation, right, was the blessing blocker. So the murmuring and the complaining was one of the number one things that blocked their ability to receive the manifestation of God's promises. So basically we all know, we are familiar with a few of these scriptures here, but why is our words so important and Why are they used contaminated and toxic words? Well, according to Proverbs 18.21, we know that death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? That's what the scripture says. It says that in Mark 11.22 and 24, again, a very familiar scripture to us, that it demonstrates our words have the power to both create and transform our circumstances, right? Because the Bible talks about if you believe it in your heart, right? You're going to have whatsoever you say, whether it be for good or for bad. So words have both creative and transformative power, 
Okay, Proverbs 15, 14 says that a gentle tongue has healing power, but a harsh tongue will break the spirit. Okay, so again, our mouths, our tongues need to be monitored, what we're saying, because it is indicative of having an effect on these blessings, okay? So healing power with our mouths. Ephesians 4.29, again, there, these are just a few of the scriptures, but God is very clear that we shouldn't be using our mouths for foul, corrupt language, right? Um, polluting words, polluting. Remember we said toxic, right? Polluting words coming out of our mouths. And again, on a perpetual or a consistent basis, this can really do damage. Every now and again, do we say things based on our circumstances that may not be good or could be even be considered foul? I was doing this, uh, the notes for this thing, and I was so gently reminded by the Holy Spirit of my season of where I decided that I must have forgot what this word said because my mouth was saying some things it shouldn't have been saying. And my defense, ladies and gentlemen, was that, hmm, you try raising a teenage boy by yourself and see if you can get through those four years without saying anything, you know, unpolluting or whatnot. But the grace of God, he showed me a better way. And I thank him for that. Because for me, that, again, I'm just using the example here, Ephesians 4.29, not letting foul or corrupt or polluting words come out of your mouth. For me, that was my expression of my authority. Okay, if I'm using this particular example. The only way I felt like I could get those boys to respect me or pay attention to me or do what I wanted them to do was to yell, scream, and cuss. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? And when that didn't work, again, I finally said, okay, Lord, this isn't working. There's got to be a better way. And so God slowly redirected me. And when I learned how to use my words, right, to not uh, curse, the situation or the kids or what they were doing, but to use it to love them, to encourage them, to lift them up, all of a sudden things started to shift. And so it's very, very important that we understand that according to James 3, 18, I'm sorry, James 3, 8 through 10, that, you know, the same mouth that we use to bless the Lord should not be the same mouth that we use to curse men, right? Ourselves included, okay? Don't use your mouth to curse you, either. Things like, I can't do that. I'm not worth it. I'll never make it. These types of things. Don't say that about yourself. That's cursing your life, not even just um, cussing. There's a difference, right? <laughs> and so number one blessing blocker, ladies and gentlemen, is contaminated words. And we're going to see the next couple of these are connected. So remember, this is a very powerful device that we have beneath our nose here, okay? All right, so let's look at blessing blocker number two. Blessing blocker number two. I've entitled it this way on purpose, perpetual lies or perpetual dishonesty. And the reason why I titled it that way, again, is just to avoid the legalistic um, perception of what we're talking about here tonight, because from the moment you can talk, you have probably, you know, found a way to say something that wasn't truthful. But again, there are individuals who are purposely and intentionally and willfully 
practicing deceit, and that is not what we as Christians should be doing. And so this is just to set a tone and a direction for us to go in, is that we should purpose to be as truthful and honest as we can, because perpetual lies are dangerous. And according to scripture, let's start at John 8, 31 through 32, we're told in this particular scripture that the truth is what sets us free, which I then deduce the fact that lies are bondage, okay? So a lifestyle of lying or deceit is bondage, and the truth will set us free. We learn in Proverbs 12:22 that God actually hates lying, okay? So there's a few things, you know, in Scripture where God is very specific about those things that he detests, right? And you would think that, well, some think, well, lying, right, what's the big deal? We, we measure these things about sin, whether they're big sins or little sins and things like that, you know. And uh, for the Lord, it is very, I guess, you know, close to his heart as far as being truthful. And so we learn that God hates lying. And anything he hates, we should hate too, right? Okay, John eight forty four. again, another reason why we don't need nothing to do with lies, because the enemy himself has been described as the father of lies or the author of lies. The scripture says there is no truth in him, but the truth of Jesus Christ lives in us. So then how can both of those live simultaneously? Okay, so this is just what we want to purpose to achieve is a lifestyle of just being honest, the truth. I tell people all the time, I can handle pretty much anything as long as you don't lie to me about it. At least, again, this was the story I was telling my kids growing up, right? Because one of mine had a very bad habit of being sneaky. And it wasn't the fact that what they were being sneaky about, it was the fact that you were deceiving me. And that was, you know, offensive to me, number one, but it was heartbreaking to me as well, right? And so God is just trying to protect us, you guys. He really is, you know? So um, don't get caught up in the fact that if last week you um, had to tell a few little things to protect the surprise party that you were throwing for so-and-so or whatnot, you know, does that fall under this umbrella? We're not talking about that tonight, okay? We're not talking about that comment you told that person that they looked good in that when they really didn't kind of think, okay? That's not what we're talking about for this particular uh, class tonight. Again, we're not going to categorize those things. You get with the Holy Spirit, and you just make sure that um, you are not purposing to be deceitful for the purpose of evil, okay, and, and leave it at that, and let God convict you on every other level of truth and honesty. Amen? Okay, good. Um, so last but not least, I think I didn't mention this one, though, here. Ephesians 4.15 says that, again, we're to speak the truth in love. So again, I know sometimes people will tell a lie, again, because they're trying to protect someone or whatnot. And for me, in my experience, I said, listen, Speak the truth in love. When I'm dealing with people, I purpose to speak the truth with the intention, right, of it coming from a good place. That's all, okay? So this one we should be able to, as we get older, uh, not struggle with as much because, you know, as we get older, we don't have time for 
baloney anyway, right? For faking the funk or anything like that. I just keep it real is what they used to always say, you know? So I think with this one, we can kind of grow uh, more and more equipped with. All right, so let's move on. And again, remember, perpetual lies, that kind of falls into those contaminated words thing, right? Number three is going to talk about the next uh, blessing blocker, number three, and it again is tied to this device beneath our nose, our mouths, because number three is gossip and slander. Ooh, yeah, he talks about this stuff in the Bible, you guys, okay? Um, And we get caught up in it sometimes. So we're identifying the dangers of gossip and then with gossip is usually always the word slander in the Bible. And I wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a a background or insight into this word slander, because gossip we kind of get, right? But sometimes we don't get what slander means. Slander is birthed out of whispering and backbiting, defaming, bearing false witness. That's that lying stuff again, right? Judging unrighteously, right? So you know they talk about Oh, goodness. Okay, I'm not going to go deep into this, but, you know, the political realm has a lot of slander that goes on in it, right? It's not just gossip. There is slander that goes on there. So these are very particularly um, dangerous things for the body of Christ to be participating in. And scripturally, what we learn is that, you know, uh, 1 Timothy 5.13, that's the first one, it talks about gossipers and busybodies, right? That's what gossip to you and somebody's business you have no business being in. Number one, it's going to disqualify you from being in leadership, okay? I believe all forms of leadership, not just pastoral leadership, but if you want to become a successful leader, you can't be participating in this type of behavior all the time, okay? Gossip and slander. Proverbs 11:13 says that, you know, gossip is a form of betrayal, right? It breaks that trust. We don't want to be associated with that. Proverbs 16:28, gossip ruins friendships, okay? Again, because of the betrayal. Gossip ruins friendships. And then Romans 1, 29 through 30, God describes gossip and slander as both wicked and and evil. Wicked and evil. Again, the reason why we point these out is because in the world, they're going to tell you again, what's the big deal? It's just harmful chit-chat, right? Everybody does it, right? Well, we are called and separated and set apart from the world. So for us, we need to tame the tongue so that we are not willfully and uh, purposely and intentionally participating in things that will, again, widen that gap and block our blessing from coming to pass. So if you have to, um, let's see, excuse yourself. Again, remember how we talked about the environments that we're in? This is one of those categories where if you find yourself in an environment or around people where there's a lot of gossip or a lot of slander going on, you need to separate yourself because you will um, be affected by it. Okay, and it's, you know what, the enemy is really subtle too, because what happens is you find yourself participating in it without even knowing that you're participating. And I was like that, you know, I had a group of friends and we grew up uh, together in high school and now 
way past high school, we would still kind of hang out and do some things, you know, but we still acted like we were in high school, because what would we do when we get together? We would just gossip. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so and what so-and-so did? And again, our dialogue wasn't to edify or to lift up or to build that person up. It was just to, you know, throw them under the bus kind of thing, or it's just, you know, things that, again, we as adults should <laughs> purpose not to do. So again, I've been there. I thank the Lord. He has freed me <laughs> from that. Uh, because again, it is. It's bondage. It really is. And a lot of times, you guys, we have said this before, a lot of times we think we're waiting on God, right, to do something. And he's already done. He's waiting on us to get our act together and clean ourselves up. So we want a purpose to clean ourselves up. So that's blessing blocker number three, gossip and slander. We are going to stay far, far away from that. Yes? All right. You guys doing okay out there so far? You see, I got my little handy-dandy little water bottle here because, whoo, I didn't even realize how much I talk until I heard myself back on the tape. And the mouth gets a little dry, but this is convenient and it's cute, which makes it a little bit more fancy for me. So anyways, all right, we are going to move on. Blessing blocker number four. Blessing blocker number four. Jealousy and envy. Yes, another topic that is found in the Bible. When you read your word, remember we talked about how do we identify and we go into the word. I have talked about this to certain people and they say, God doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. Yes, he does. And he talks about it very um, transparently, very intensely. Okay. And there is a reason for it. So what I learned though, was that there's actually a difference between jealousy and envy. And I didn't know this a while ago. So let me just share with you guys what my understanding and my revelation of the difference between jealousy and envy are, okay? And it may not be in detail up here, but listen to this. Jealousy is a blessing blocker because it leads to covetousness, greed for something that does not belong to you, okay? Jealousy leads to greed. Jealousy means that we have an anxious and unhealthy desire to have something that someone else has, okay? Now, again, God is very intentional with the wording that he uses, okay? Because it's okay to be inspired by other people or to be, you know, uh, to admire something that someone else has or what they do, you know, but to covet those things, that's not good, okay? We should desire um, to have our own of what God wants us to have. We shouldn't have an unhealthy desire. See, that's a key word there, unhealthy desire for something. Now, the difference, though, between jealousy. Now, here's envy. Listen to this one. Envy goes even further, meaning that we are angry, bitter, and resentful about what someone else has to the point where we seek to strip them of that possession. Oh, that's deep, that, that, that don't sound, that sounds, well, we say what, wicked and evil, okay? So again, these are things that God is saying, my children should not have anything to do with. There's, there's jealousy, which leads to envy, because if you let jealousy uh, stick around too long, it's gonna turn itself into that, that bitterness and that angry, resentful, oh, not only do I not want you to have it, or not only do I want it, but I don't want you to have it either, right? That's that, no good, no good, no good. Okay, so um, Proverbs 14, 20 
says that jealousy is equated to like having rotten bones. Okay, jealousy is going to rot that soul. It's going to rot your soul. You just like with gossip, you're going to stay away from it. And then James 3.16 says that envy, it leads to confusion and immoral practices. Again, something that we do not want to associate ourselves with in any way. Um, And you can see, you guys, from these definitions, why these things are considered blessing blockers, right? It is completely contrary to the character of the God that we serve, that we ourselves have been uh, made out of the same cloth from, okay? So we should desire the same things that God desires, and it's to stay away from um, these types of things. So again, if you identify it, if you think you're uh, dealing with it, then we go back to what we learned in the beginning of how do we avoid them. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Like I literally had to ask the Holy Spirit to help rid me, right, of those things that I was doing that was rottening my soul, destroying my relationships with my kids, and separating me from the Lord. I didn't want to have anything to do with that, you know. So again, this is all for our benefit, okay? All right, so moving right along, we're going to move on to blessing blocker number five. And I said, Lord, you know, these 10 things that I came up here with, they're definitely a a personal testimony, you know, because I can sit here on each one of them and say, yep, been there, done that, right? I have struggled with pride and selfishness. Now, I actually struggled with pride because I didn't realize it was selfishness, okay? That's what it was. I didn't realize that I was operating in pride for a long time. And let me explain what I mean. Pride... Biblically speaking, is an independent spirit that tries to do things without God's help. It's an independent spirit that takes the glory that should be only given to God. Okay, so again, I was not knowledgeable about how to co-parent, if you will, my kids with the Lord. And so I had an independent spirit that took on all the responsibility myself. And that's why I became so uh, adamant about how involved I was with them because I felt like their success or failure was all on my responsibility, okay? And God was saying, the reason why you're struggling with this is because you're edging me out, right? You're trying to do things that only I can do. And so I didn't realize, I was being prideful, I was leaving God out. I was not giving him the glory that he deserves, and I was acting independent. And uh, by nature, that's what the flesh does. That's just by nature. The flesh is always going to go into self-preservation mode, right? It's always going to do what it feels it needs to do to save itself, okay? That's why the word talks about for us as Christians when we, you know, to die to self, right, is to live. And so, again, I give this information to you guys tonight because I just, you know, we don't know sometimes. We, we just, you know, and out of ignorance, we find ourselves in the desert or in the wilderness, right? And these are the lessons that we're going to learn ahead of time. So, Proverbs 16, 18, we all know that the Bible says that pride um, comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. So, again, I found myself in a pit because of my pride. And 1 Corinthians 10, 24, 
the version that I have here says, try to do what is good for others and not just what is good for yourself. That's the selfishness part of it, you know? And um, I don't think I really struggled with the selfishness part as far as defined like that. I was always trying to do what was good for somebody else but at the same time neglecting what I was supposed to be doing for myself, which was, again, knowing God's word and doing what he wanted me to do. So um, there's a difference in the type of pride where you just don't want it to be arrogant, okay? You don't want it to be so independent that you edge God out, amen? Okay, so again, blessing blocker number five, pride and selfishness. We need to get rid of that. All right, now this next one, number six. Blessing blocker number six has been entitled idolatry. And in the past when I've taught this, people were like, well, idolatry, that doesn't really apply to this day and age, right? That applies to the Old Testament where they were worshiping statues and calves and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and God was upset about that. And I said, yes, he was, and he still is today. We should not be, you know, um, idolizing statues. But it goes much more beyond that, okay? In fact, an idol is anything or anyone that takes the place of God in our lives, we can idolize people, places, things, right? Anything that's more important to us than God is an idol. And again, here I am using myself as a, as a testimony because what I did, what did I do? I made my kids an idol. Didn't know it at the time, but, you know, I was that single mom who was like, you know, my kids are my everything, right? I live for my kids, you know, and again, my intention, my heart was right. I knew what I was saying, you know, to me, but what the enemy did was he took that and twisted it, right, and turned it into that pride. And then he twisted it again and turned it into idolatry. And it was no wonder, again, that I was struggling so much. So I'm so grateful to have the knowledge of this information where God is saying, listen, Remember how we talked about stewardship and we said that we are stewards over our children, not owners over them? Oh, that revelation freed me, let me tell you. <laughs> because then I was like, all right, Lord, that's right. I'm just a steward. So therefore, you know, um, there came a, a time in my life where I matured and I finally told my boys, I love you, but I love God more. And that wasn't a, a, a put down, right? They knew. Matter of fact, my youngest came back to me and said, you bet not ever love me or anyone else more than you love God. He was smart enough to know that at the time. So I was just like, and again, not to put anything down. We love our spouses, we love our families, and we use that word, you know, love, again, very casually, you know. Um, but it can be, you know, something even less obvious as far as idols, because there are people who love, you know, their houses. They love their car, they love their jobs. They love things in a way that takes them away from the presence of God, who is the one in the first place who gave us those things, by the way, right? You know, and so we have to be very careful, just very intentional about pausing and stepping back and making sure we're giving God the glory for everything that we have. Because when we start trying to carry all that ourselves, right, we're going to find ourselves 
in a pit or in that wilderness. So, um, you know, there are uh, ways in which different religions and different schools of philosophical thought, you know, they talk about how people nowadays in the world, they, they idolize or worship the creation instead of the creator, right? And again, these are the kinds of things. They worship the moon and the stars and the sun and all that kind of stuff. And again, we as Christians, based on biblical uh, scripture, understand that no, even those things actually know who to worship themselves, right? The Bible says that all of creation, right, is worshiping the Lord. And so 1 Corinthians 10, 14 was the scripture that I pulled for this one. Um, it reads, therefore, my beloved, run. I have the amplified version. Let me read you guys this. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore, my beloved, run. Keep far, far away from any sort of idolatry. And that includes loving anything more than God or participating in anything that leads to sin and enslaves our soul. Whew. Yeah, it's like these things can really, you know, this is why I said we come, we feed on the meat. This is some meat right here, you guys, okay? This is really talking about how important it is to God that we keep him first place. And anything or anyone that gets in the way, <laughs> some translations to run for us, run, right? Get away, okay? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And what happened was, again, when I realized this, you guys, that revelation, that freedom from that bondage, what it did was it began the restoration process for me. So that relationship, again, like with my kids, the, things that, the one thing that I was striving and fighting so hard to do just started to fall in place as I started to walk in line with the word. And it happens for us in every other area of our lives too. So that is something that we need to be uh, hopeful for, okay? Hopeful for. There's always, God never, ever, ever asks us to do anything and doesn't reward us for it, okay? So these are good things to know, all right? We're not going to be perfect. It's okay, but we're going to strive for that mark, amen? All right, all right. So let's keep going. Number seven, blessing blocker number seven. These are things, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, it's going to widen that gap sometimes between manifestation of our promises. And this one's a big one. Matter of fact, they're all big, but this one's a big one. <laughs> Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Oh, how we struggle sometimes in different seasons of our life with forgiveness, right? Because again, the flesh, the flesh is like, what? Forgi the flesh don't know what that word means, okay? But our spirits long for it. It's who we are because he forgave us, okay? But unforgiveness is emotional bondage. Again, there's that word bondage. These blessing blockers create bondage. So forgiveness, we have to recognize, is a choice. You're probably never, I don't know if I've ever felt like forgiving someone who did me wrong, okay? Um, the, the, so this isn't about feelings. This is about a choice to obey, just like all of these are, okay? Um, doesn't mean that we're letting someone get away with what they did, let them off the hook. What it means is we're going to make the choice to let God be our vindicator, okay? He says that vengeance is mine. He will repay. We are not to get revenge. And sometimes I feel like we hold on to unforgiveness as a way of revenge. And all it does 
is poison our souls, rots our bones like we were talking about, okay? So we got to let God be God and do what only he can do. And just like we said with everything else, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I needed the help of the Holy Spirit to actually forgive um, daily, you know, forgive myself. I've talked about that before. That was one of the biggest things that I had to learn how to do was to not only extend forgiveness to others, but receive forgiveness myself. So uh, Matthew 6, 14 through 15, I'm going to read this one here. Um, again, it just says that if you forgive people their trespasses, it says their reckless and willful sins. Again, this is the amplified version. He says, if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go. And I think that's why I have it up here again. Let it go, okay? And giving up the resentment again because your heavenly father has forgiven you. So we have been empowered with the ability to forgive because Christ forgave us, okay? And the other let it go scripture was Mark eleven twenty five, amplified version. And whenever you stand praying, okay, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him let it drop, leave it, let it go, so that your Father in heaven uh, may also forgive you of your own failings and shortcomings, and let them go and drop, okay? And so it's interesting. I was watching uh, TV before coming in a little bit earlier today, and I, don't, I have boys, so I never uh, did the girl Disney movie, so I guess there's this, uh, and I don't even know if it's Disney, but uh, Frozen, there's this song, I guess, that she sang called Let It Go, Let It Go. And it was playing on the commercial, and I thought, oh, yes, okay, that's a sign right there. I love the signs. Thank you, Lord, you know. Let it go. Just let it go. And again, you're not letting it go as in letting it get away. You're letting it go to the one who can take care of whatever it is. God's got your heart. He's not going to He's not going oh, to let somebody do you wrong and them not have to pay it, okay? And again, we ourselves, too, have fallen short. So we're going to want that same uh, grace extended back to us when we fall short. So it's best to just forgive by choice. Yes? All right. All right, you guys. Let's move on to blessing blocker number eight. Blessing blocker number eight. Hmm. This one was interesting. Um, because I don't think most people would recognize it or categorize it, but I labeled it failure to sow. Failure to sow, but not just failure to sow, but failure to sow the right things. Hmm, okay, so blessing blocker number eight means that we're not just talking about money, okay, but even there is a, a method um, or a vehicle for sowing financially, but you know what? Sow seeds of like love, right, kindness, grace. We can sow our time and our energy. We can sow encouragement. But sometimes we're in the wilderness, all we're sowing, again, is the negativity. And we're wondering why we're not receiving a harvest. Well, what you sow is what you're going to reap, right? And again, I don't know, I grew up always compartmentalizing that principle into one area and not recognizing that this is in all of the characteristics that we have. 
And so, for example, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, again, scriptures that we may be familiar with, it says, he who sows sparingly or grudgingly is going to reap sparingly or grudgingly. And he who sows generously will also reap generously and with blessings. So I've always said, if you are in need of love, give love, right? If you're in need of time, you know, you, redeeming the time is one of the uh, one blessings that God's favor does. And so we have to give our time sometimes to people, you know, take that moment out. Um, kindness. Again, there was a season of my life where I wouldn't have even wanted to be my friend because everything about me was just what the season out, the Grinch, right? Just real Grinchy about everything. It's like, well, what do you expect? You know, if that's what you're putting out. And again, perpetually, you know, we have our days, we have our moments. Okay. We're not going to condemn ourselves for that, but there are people, right? Their whole lifestyle is just a failure to sow the right things. And that is going to produce a certain result. So for us, we want to know how to make this thing work for us. If I'm going to plant and be a farmer, I don't want to just plant anything, right? That's going to produce things that are just unproductive, right? Or unfruitful. I want to produce a mighty harvest because I know when my harvest is overflowing, that means I get to give and give and give. And that is the best feeling ever. You know, that's why I'm such a, you know, don't lack, don't come near me because lack, it puts me in bondage, puts us in bondage. So we want the abundance to be able to give. So um, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Okay, that's what we were talking about. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Um, This one I thought actually was great to put into this because I didn't know this. A lot of times people will say, well, I don't have anything to give, whether we're talking about money or something else. They think, you know, who am I? I don't don't have anything, you know, to give. God who provides seed to the sower will multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we have an excuse? For, no, we don't, because the Bible tells us that if we need one, we should ask, right? And the seed that we get to sow, it says God's going to provide it. So if you need seed to be able to sow, ask. God will provide you seed to be able to give in whatever area it is. And it says that it manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. So we got to sow goodness kindness, and love. That's just what we do. We're sowers of good seed into good ground. Amen? All right, so we're going to avoid the lack of sowing the right seeds. That is our blessing blocker number eight. All right, blessing blocker number nine. This one, again, I know I have talked about because it threads through everything that we've had in our classes in the past, but it deserves to be highlighted. We need to be reminded that blessing blocker number nine, and I just lumped all these together, but they can individually be their own uh, blocker, okay? Stress, anxiety, and worry. 
for most of us, you know how I said some of these we've kind of either outgrown or, you know, we mature and we don't really struggle with them as much as some of the other ones. This one, I don't care how old we get, we struggle with this one right here, okay? Stress, anxiety, and worry. Again, because of the, the world that, that we live in. Um, these are all signs or symptoms, okay? They're signs or symptoms that we are not fully believing and trusting in God the way that we should. They are indicators that we are attempting to handle something in our own strength rather than depending on God to do the heavy lifting, okay? Um, I don't know if I taught it in this series about toil or not, but that's where that word toil comes in at, is that, you know, if you're stressed out, worried, or anxious, you're probably toiling, which means you're probably trying to do what only God himself can do, okay? And we have to recognize these symptoms, again, so that we can do what the scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast our cares on him because he cares for us. The, the Amplified version says, casting the whole of your cares. Because, you know, I was the one where I'm like, okay, Lord, you can have this piece here, but I got this piece over here. He said, uh-uh. Cast the whole of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, and all of your concerns once and for all. So don't do this back and forth stuff. Once you give it to him, leave it there. Don't go back and get it, okay? Because he cares affectionately for you and cares watchfully for you. I'll see if I can explain this revelation that I got about First Peter, uh, excuse me, uh, 5, 7. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. I thought, yeah, he cares for me, right? But no, he cares for you. So again, remember how we said unforgiveness isn't about letting something go or get away? He's going to do the caring for you, right? He's going to take care of it because he cares for you. So there's a double revelation and a double meaning here that I thought was very empowering, which made it much more easier to, again, let it go, right? Okay, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one of my favorite scriptures here. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything. This is God talking to us, and yet here we have the audacity in our flesh to, you know, try to justify our stress and our anxiety. Oh, but Lord, you don't know, right? This is, this is heavy. He knows. That's why he told you to give it to him. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Petition, that's that asking, okay? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, right? Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have anything to worry about when God Almighty has got it covered like this? Like, he leaves no stone unturned. He doesn't say, you know what, this, this you can worry about. Yeah, that's something to worry. This, yeah, that's something to be stressful about. I'll take care of this, but you take it. Nope, no distinction, right? He doesn't want us worried, stressed out, or anxious about anything. And again, there's plenty more scriptures. I didn't even get into, you know, the do not worry about your life, the, you know, if God takes care of the lilies and the fields and the birds and, you know, he gonna take care of you. He is. But we get in the way and we block our blessings, by stressing away. And again, I'll just say this before I move on to the last one, which is number 10. It's not that you won't feel stress. 
or anxiety or worry. But when you have the knowledge of the power of the Spirit of God that lives in you, you will not allow that stress, that anxiety, or that worry to cause you to get out of line with God's Word, to make decisions or behave in a way that leads to sin and disobedience. Okay? So don't condemn yourself for getting the feeling. When the feeling comes, that's a symptom. And what is the symptom? When we feel symptoms, what do you do? Get on it, right? They say the sooner you get on it, the sooner it'll be gone. Like if we're talking about physical sickness or anything like that. I know as soon as I get a little scratchy throat, mm-mm, vitamin C, here I come, right? I'm going to get on that thing because that's letting me know that something's not right. So we just want to be able to manage properly, have the authority over these things instead of these things having authority over us. Amen? All right, you guys have survived nine blessing blockers, and we're going to get to number 10. Number 10, blessing blocker. Boom, 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 the big one. Fear, 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 fear. Again, we could do a whole sermon on this one right here. But just to reiterate what we've said over different lessons in the past, fear is an emotion, right, that causes doubt and contaminates our faith. But it is an emotion that we can choose not to empower. Okay, when God said, do not be afraid and to take courage, again, he didn't say that you weren't going to feel afraid. But when you feel it, you need to take courage. That means you need to make the choice to trust God. Okay, and of course, we are familiar with 2 Timothy 1.7 that, again, it was even preached this Sunday. God has not... He has not given us the spirit of fear. The Amplified Version says the spirit of cowardice or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound, well-balanced, and disciplined mind. I love these translations that just extend and extract the character of God into a scripture that gives us no, no back door, right? No escape out of that. Like, there's no way. There was no way that I could know this scripture and say I couldn't help myself. There was no way I could see this scripture and says that, you know, uh, oh man, you know, I never will say again that I'm going crazy because I have a well-balanced, disciplined mind. That's in 2 Timothy 1.7. And then, of course, in John 14.27, you know, Jesus says that he's given us his peace. His peace he has given us, Right? Not as the world gives, but he has given us his peace. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That means stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled. That's right, period. That's it, right? Don't allow yourself to do it. How do you do that? In the midst of all the turmoil, you call upon the name of Jesus and you seek the help of the Holy Spirit. Do not attempt. Do not attempt to do it in your own strength. I love this script, but God, right? Anytime you feel in that stress, anxiety, worry, fear, whatever, but God, right? You turn your eyes and place them on the one who is your rock. And therefore, no matter one through 10, whatever these blessing blockers are that we described tonight or identified tonight, whichever one we find ourselves coming up against, we have an answer. We have a resolution, right? It's all encompassing 
in Jesus. And when we have this knowledge, right, we can then, again, seek the Lord to give us greater in-depth understanding of it because then we can execute on it. And when we execute, oh, watch out. That's when we get the victory, right? That's when we get the manifestation of the victory that was already given to us when God blessed us from the beginning. That's when that gap is closed and we have made it to our destination. We have, that promise has been fulfilled and we get to celebrate and give God the glory that he deserves for being the almighty. Amen? Yes, 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 yes. So again, these things, you guys, were just things that I have been able to track and measure and monitor in my own life, you know, and you're going to be able to do that, you know, yourselves to be able to get yourself to an even greater place of elevation where you can be used more effectively for the Lord. So in our conclusion and in our recap closing, we always have a final accountability assignment in conclusion. So what I did was I purposely and intentionally left off three categories that I usually teach on because I want them to be your own personal homework. So there's three areas that the Bible also talks about as far as blessing blockers are concerned, and that's about being lazy, being a hypocrite, and being offended, okay? So your assignment is to research what the Bible has to say about these three, these three areas and how it can be uh, a blessing blocker for us. And again, I look at uh, perpetual laziness. Again, I like to put that word in there because, again, he's not talking about your rest day. He's not talking about, you, you know, self-care and having those times. But there are individuals who have a heart or a lifestyle of just unproductiveness, right? And that's just, again, not who we are. And that's going to block our blessing. Hypocrisy, again, uh, we talked about that, I think, in one of the other sessions about making sure you get yourself right before you try to fix everybody else, <laughs> right, in a particular area, you know, don't be a hypocrite about that. And then this last one about being offended. This one's, a, you're going to do a really good study on this one because I didn't even recognize that that was a blessing blocker. When I got offended, right, there's a lot that God has to say about that and we need to protect ourselves from that. So that's your assignment. Find the supporting scriptures for that. And then like I said, you know, a lot of this journey has been uh, through the valley, right? But we are going to come out on the other side. And so what I decided to do was end the series of lessons learned in the wilderness on what I think is a high note, if you will, because that means that, again, remember, God's not going to have us go through anything without us coming out with a reward. And I want to talk about God's restoration plan, right? I want to talk about how God has said, you know what? Your work has not been in vain, right? Your endurance through this storm has not been in vain because I got a plan. And we all know God's restoration plan is phenomenal. It really is. When we look back at the stories of different people and, and know that we can petition God for that in our own lives, I believe that we'll be able to go and leave and conclude this series expecting miracles, expecting God to move mightily in our lives as we have yielded ourselves um, to be in compliance with his will. And that's the beauty of it. That's, that's what this life is all about. So I thank you for allowing me to share that with you, uh, again, from a personal standpoint. And I pray that it sets in your heart in a way that enables you to feel confident about your own walk with God and what he wants to do with you and uh, eliminates any doubts that there's anything that you can ever do to separate yourself from the love of God because there is nothing 
that can do that, not even these blessing blockers, because, you know, we know too much. When you know more, you can do more and do better. Amen? All right, so I just want to close out with a short prayer. Uh, giving this entire meeting to God. It has been opened up with a commitment to you, Lord God, and I want to close it out with a commitment to you. Thank you, Father God, for allowing me to be the platform in which you stand to show yourself great and mighty, Lord God. I thank you for the word that has gone forth, that it will not and cannot be hindered by any force uh, that tries to come against it, Lord God. I thank you that it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So I lift up the uh, people in this room today, Father God. I thank you for their lives. I thank you that you have blessed them, Lord, and that you have an excellent plan for their lives. I pray, Lord God, that you continue to help us to have open ears and receptive hearts to your word and your will, that we may be used by you mightily in the earth. And so we commit this evening to you, Father God. We thank you. We give all of our thanksgiving and honor to you, for there is none like you. And we thank you in advance for the protection of getting us home safe and sound and for a blessed holiday service um, and fellowship with our friends and family. In these things, we commit to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So now I will give it back over to pastor. Thank you.